All right, let's do this. Welcome first-time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table, especially our next incredible guest. So grab your favorite deli sandwich or bagel and your favorite beverage, and let's do this together in the Sports Deli. What an honor on Jackie Robinson's day to have our next incredible guest. Shout out to Michael Montgomery. Yes, I'm on his sport in his Brooklyn Dodgers hat. Michael Montgomery II for connecting our next guest who hails to us from the home of the College World Series in the 402 Omaha, Nebraska. A running back, he started at the University of Nebraska after being named a high school All-American at Omaha Central. While in Lincoln, he was an integral part of the Cornhuskers winning two national championships. And with that being said, we are so honored to welcome Amon Green to the Sports Deli podcast, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. And today, you will hear the rest of the story. He was born the same day as Ice-T, John McEnroe, and the bus, Jerome Bettis, who I've been dying to get on the show, but he's very busy, working on his degree at the University of Notre Dame after his playing days were over. Kelly Trapuca, one of my favorite NBA players of all time, who would shoot bank shots from three, and Mark Price, and the same year as... Tom Brady, who we will talk about later, and most of you know my sentiments about Tom, and Floyd Merriweather. He was drafted in the third round of the 1998 NFL Draft by the Seattle Seahawks. And during his 12-year NFL career, Amon was a four-time Pro Bowler and two-time All-Pro selection. He's in the Green Bay Packer Hall of Fame, which is where he played the majority of his career. He's also in the Nebraska Hall of Fame. He played with the likes of Warren Moon, who we wish him well. Uh, He's going through some stem cell treatments right now. Brett Favre, Donald Driver, and Aaron Rodgers, which I also have an opinion on. He loved ColecoVision and Madden 97 back in the day, and you will hear the rest of the story with regards to that today as well. Most recently, an esports entrepreneur and longtime player, he was named the first coach of NCAA D3 Lakeland University's new esports program and man i find that fascinating for those of you who don't know what in god's name i'm talking about esports are multiplayer video games like call of duty rocket league and overwatch played online competing against other colleges across the country yes this is an intercollegiate sport ladies and gentlemen it's got a podcast among green's gamers lounge which i've watched which i love that can be found on all audio platforms and youtube he has some amazing content as well as free giveaways from TVs to signed football cards. He loves dogs, and you can often see them sleeping in his game room during his lives. He recently went back to Lincoln and watched a little spring ball at the University of Nebraska. You can find him just about everywhere on Twitter at AmonGreen30, on Twitch at AmonGreenTV, Instagram also AmonGreen30, on Facebook, official AmonGreen30, and on Snapchat AmonGreen30. Man, truly an honor to have you in the Sports Daily Podcast, man, where everyone deserves a seat at the table, especially on Jackie Robinson Day. Of course, Mike, that had to be the best and more thorough introduction I've had <laughs> in a long time, so I appreciate you on that. Hitting all the, all the, uh, dotting all the I's, crossing the T's, you like knocked it. You, if this was baseball, you knocked it out of the park. Good job. Uh, Great I appreciate job. it. You know, it's funny because my original two co-hosts, they were like, ah, just do it in post-production. And I can tell you, man, the reactions typically are just like that, man. It's it's worth the price of admission for real. No, for sure. That was good. Even down to ColecoVision. And <laughs> that's how I got started in gaming and all that. Just bring back memories of all, uh, all everything you said just brought back memories of different, uh, different situations in my life. Good and, you know, good and bad. So yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we, we played, you know, original Atari and then in television, mm-hmm. uh, man, I remember the baseball in television, like it was yesterday and turning those double plays and you got to hit the button. The sound was like, and yep. man, it was, it was phenomenal. And then defender in the arcades and then Stargate and, you know, going all the way up to Galaga and, you know, yep. man, Pac-Man, uh, Miss Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Yeah, absolutely. Donkey yes, Kong. <laughs> yep. That was the my original. main game. That and Zaxxon on uh, ColecoVision. Wow. Those are the only two games I had on the, in my system. So I'll just play one, beat it, and then go play the other, beat it, and then basically go, then go to bed. <laughs> that is hilarious. I mean, I think I really started with Pong, to be honest with you. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I played that a little bit. Yep. You know, I remember just, that when you moved the, yeah, the, uh, yeah. What was, what was the thing? Was it called, uh, just the board or what was it called that's the a good handle? question i remember like they had the advanced version later like arachnoid you know yep. they had all these advanced versions of it yeah were, i remember arachnoid it was at the bottom that time it was, it was at, at the, the bottom. bottom of the screen absolutely yeah and then man it's just uh you know the evolution of gaming is just man unbelievable so so, so let me ask you um obviously your football and jackie robinson mm-hmm. um transcended a lot of a lot of different things what comes to mind today for you as you wear your Brooklyn Dodgers hat repping? It just, um, somebody that at their time did things to help bring change to the world. And I think we're lacking as current athletes that we're not doing that enough. Um, um, but there are a few that's pushing the, as I call it, moving the change, you know, keeping the change of change, the chains of change going. And, uh, during that time, they were right in the middle, the thick of things of the civil rights movement, um, teaming up with people like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. You know, you had uh, Lou Alcindor, which was eventually later on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Jackie Robinson, who started it. But then by the time it got to Kareem or Lou Alcindor, then Jim Brown and other NFL players, other baseball players, other, you know, Olympic athletes doing their calls. Because as we know, especially here in America, um, professional sports athletes, we are, you know, held at a different, we're held up. And if you can do it the proper way, use that, uh, that stage to get word, the word out about what's going on in the world to help bring on that change. And they did, that's what they helped do. And uh, I know, like I said, today it's happening, but in little spurts and here and there, but I know one thing like in the gaming world, it's somewhere where there's, there's, is a ton of in, inclusion there's a, a ton of everybody being aware of each other and being and, and seeing everyone you know for who they are and you know of their of their background who who they represent um how they're being defined as and that is being seen everywhere in the gaming world and that's why I, I, that's one thing i love about being uh esports has coach being a gamer is that it doesn't matter who you are what you look like what's your background how you were raised you're going to get accepted into the gaming community some way, somehow. And you just put yourself out there, be you, be honest, um, but, but have that empathy, understanding everybody that everybody's human. Nobody's perfect. Um, when somebody's having a bad day, give them a moment, you know, give them time to settle down, recalibrate, and uh, you'll see the best them. And, and I say for, for me and doing my job here, that's what I kind of, I kind of spread that word, you know, it's among my players because that's something these are, you know, young developing adults that then in four, you know, they get here as a freshman in four years, they're going to be going into the real world. So I want to make sure I can help affect them in a positive manner 
and teach them some things and not only teach them, you know, how to play Rocket League or Overwatch or whatever, but teach them things about life that they can use with them, you know, once they leave here um, out of Lakeland. So that's kind of my, I say my, how I see things, how I live day to day. You know, I have, I'm, I'm a father of five kids, four girls and a boy. So I treat just like I raised my kids. They're all grown now. I think the last one is out the house, 19 years old, actually 20 now. And so I treat my kids in here, my players in here, just like I would have treated my, my own, you know, which I have and uh, show them, you know, love, show them support, but also give them, you know, have that tough love too when, when it needs be. So. Man, that's fascinating. You know, I was going to ask you a question on the first part of your response and then you kept going and now there's sort of a duality to your to your answer and um you know like you i'm a girl dad but you know i'm in a space that's completely different than yours so i what the first thing i was going to ask you was because i posted this on my tiktok um about somebody in the background talking about how scary um the unknowns were and the hate and the the vitriol must have been you know we talk about people that have fought for social injustice for a long time you know, like something you read about, but you, you, I can't possibly, and maybe you can't even possibly comprehend because of the, you know, the people that laid the foundation before you of what it was like. I mean, right. can you imagine if, if that was you with, with, with what they had to go through people that you mentioned earlier? I mean, yeah. I, I just can't even imagine it to be honest. Yeah. I, I tell my family, friends, I said, man, if I was born from the fifties to the late seventies, I would have been in jail. I was like, cause For real. I just, I don't, I don't, um, I grew up as a kid where once I was taught that I'm, you know, I have value, I am someone I didn't, and my mom and dad, they, they nailed into me that you can't let people come into your personal space. You want to be treated a certain way and you want to treat people a certain way. So I make sure that, okay, if any of my friends treated me a wrong way, I would let them know. You know, if we have to have a conversation out, cool. But if we didn't, and I say, if it wasn't somebody, if it wasn't a friend and then somebody came, basically came at me, then I'm like, I got to protect myself and I'm not going to succumb to being bullied or because that's what it was a form of, you know, so during that time, it was a form of bullying, you know, to use the color of your skin against people and have people intimidated for that reason, that's bullying in a way. So. I grew up in a way I didn't grow up during that time, but I grew up, you know, knowing my value, knowing that I'm somebody that um, you can't come in my space unless I allow you to. And if you not greet me or treat me a certain way, then I'm not going to be the first to, you know, come at you, but I will protect myself. That's all I'm doing. If you attack me you verbally, whatever, I'm just going to protect myself. And so at that time, that's what I tell people. I mean, I've been in trouble. <laughs> I said, I've been pushing back. <laughs> I've been yeah. pushing back. I, that's that's how Absolutely. simple how I put it because it's about being treated fair. Just treat me fair. Yeah. Right. The person next to me, if that's a white man or if that's a Jewish man or whoever it is next to me, treat me like like you treat, what's the difference? I'm not going I'm going to respect I respect you. Even if I don't know you, I respect you. Especially if I don't know you. 100% respect you because I don't know where you're from. I don't know your background. I don't know your story. You might be having a bad day. You might be or you might be having a great day. Right. You know, just treat, you know, my thing was as a kid, it's like, I would tell my mom and dad, I was like, I just want to be treated fairly. And when I said that to him, I think I was like 10 or 11. They were like, huh? They're like, how old are you? 
<laughs> it's like you're talking like a grown man i'm like i'm like look i just want to be treated fairly and this and that and i think it was we were talking about um because i played literally i played flag football tackle football and baseball i think we were talking about a baseball game i had just had and i think the, the umpire made a bad call and i was mad about it and i think we might have lost or i might have struck out or whatever and my dad, we were chatting about it. And I just say, Dad, I just want to be treated fair. I just want to make sure, you know, he he didn't. I don't think he saw the pitch right. You know, I'm like, are you know? But it's like that's how I was all the way until now. You know, I said, just treat me fairly, and you're gonna get the best me. You know, and go from there. So, do you think that there was a level of uh, generational trauma that was just sort of part of the inevitability of growing up? You know, being a person of color. Um. I say, I'll be honest, with my family, the way my mom and dad raised me, because my dad, my stepdad, who actually raised me, he's from Louisiana. My mom's from Omaha, Nebraska, actually Kansas, city Kansas, but grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. And then right. they, they met once me and my mom moved out to Los Angeles. That's when my stepdad and my mom met. My dad, my biological dad, was was in my life. We talked, we had conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but the person that raised me was my stepdad from Louisiana. And for me as a kid, no, there was none. I never sensed my mom or dad talk about, have those conversations, you know, mm-hmm. and I never, until I got older and I started going out on my own, you know, spending the night over a friend's house, you know, mm-hmm. studying history, you know, by the time I got to high school, learning that, then I'm starting seeing movies, you know, I remember, I remember too, when I was a kid, actually, so yeah, it was before high school, but I remember seeing the movie uh, Mississippi Burning with Gene oh Hackman, my God. you know, and I watched that movie and it was just like, and then that far after that, I watched, uh, I ended up watching Summer Roots and I was like, wow. I was just like, as a kid, I'm sitting there like, that's not right. I was like, none <laughs> of this is right. And that's all my, and then I would say that and my mom and dad, they were just like, you're right. That's not right. And that would be it. They wouldn't really go into a conversation. I don't know why they didn't, maybe because they just wanted me to process it mm-hmm. as me you know, come up with my opinion on it. And once they they saw me say what I say or hear me say what I say, like, man, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not right. Mm. You know, to do that to that person just because of this. And I, it's like, I got it right away. But what the movies were showing us, it's just like, yeah. wow. Are you, are you a history buff? Um, I say I'm a geography major. So a lot of history. Wow. <laughs> in my that's background. Yeah, a lot of history in my background. Wow. That's cool. So what, uh, what did you find out when you went to Nebraska that uh, really like hooked you? The school, you mean the university? Yeah. Going there. Okay. Yeah. That's a fun story. Um, so I was, you know, born there. Then yeah. we moved out to California. Like I said, we come yep. back because my mom made a decision. She made an executive decision. She said to me, I think I was an eighth grader. And she says, you're not going to high school in Los Angeles, California, because that's when the Bloods and Crips were at their highest gang shooting, yep. people getting hit with stray bullets on the daily yep. high school football games, people getting, you know, they're shooting at the game and everybody got to hit the ground. So she's like, we're moving back to the Midwest. And I'm 13, I'm almost 13. I'm 12 and a half, about to be 13 in February. And of course, I'm like, no! <laughs> Why do we have to go back to, you know, all my friends, you know, I'm, I've, been, I've been in school since the second grade in the house we were living in so i did elementary school wow. junior high school and now i'm headed to high school and thinking like okay i'm gonna play for dorsey high school wow a prominent high school 
yeah, in the Los yeah. Angeles area and play football with my with all my friends, all my little league friends, football and baseball. You know, let's go. And then, in about this time of the, actually, it was probably like my eighth grade year, about two months from now. So like March or February of that year, she said we're moving back to Nebraska, and I'm like, you had no inkling either. I was like, what? She said, I'm gonna take you out of school um in may wow so we could start packing up i'm like okay i'm like dang no you know and so we move back we get back and of course i'm like giving the state guide to my mom and dad for two weeks (laughs) of course you know because i'm like mad at the world my my life is over (laughs) i don't know nobody in nebraska i didn't grow up here and when she's like, boy, stop it. You got brothers. You got, I had two older brothers, an older sister, and they had kids. And I was pretty much a built-in babysitter at the time, which was okay with me. I didn't mind doing it, but I got over it two weeks. Like I said, two weeks and I was over it. Yeah. Um, so my first two years, I went to uh, Omaha North High School. Um, and we kind of, it was more, it was the reason more because the, I was, she was, she wanted me to go to her high school, which was Omaha Central, where I mm-hmm. ended up eventually going. But yeah we moved with my sister at the time just so we could get moved to town and then get our own place. So my sister's address was not in the school district of central. So I went to North for two years Mm. and first year I played one more year of little league pop Warner football. We actually won the city championship. Um, I was one of the team captains and that, that was just a great, just a great experience playing in Los Angeles got me ready for, you know, playing high school, playing football in Nebraska because talent was everywhere in LA. Everybody was good. I mean, my best season, I think we had, I had one good season in LA. It was with the Culver City Lancers. We might've played, we might've been like eight and two and we, we lost in the second round of the playoffs. And that was the furthest I went in one season. That was like two years before we moved back. So my first year in Omaha, we, we run, we, we lose the first game of the season in over in triple overtime. Oh. to the best team in the city, Kingswood. And then after that, after that game, I say to my teammates, I said, look, because everybody to me, you know, like they had been there prior to me. I've been in California right, right. this whole time. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know about Kingswood. I don't know the, the legacy of Kingswood football. To me, they're just another football team. But to the Nebraska players that grew up there, they're like, man, this is the best team in the city. You know, they, they, they got beers. They drive to the game. I'm like, man, hold up, time out. They can't play against us if they drive into the game. We we thirteen <laughs> years old. <laughs> what in the hell? Like what? Like think about that for a second. You know. You know. So I'm like, whatever. I'm like, whatever. So you know, I get voted the team captain, and like I said, first game of the season, we go to triple overtime against these guys. And so after the game, we lose. You know, we all sixteen to fifteen or fourteen to fifteen, right by one point. And so we huddled up. You know, we do the take a knee. My coach says anything you know says what he needs to say to the players then he he asked me he's like come on you want to say anything and i'm like yeah i'm like for sure let's go this is the only thing at that time when i was at that age this is the only time i would speak if it was football or baseball outside of that you couldn't get me do a um a presentation in front of the classroom i'd be nervous i'd be all sweaty but if it, <laughs> if it had to do with football or baseball right i'm i'm a i'm a whole i'm another yeah i'm another kid my mom and dad, who is that kid? Who is he? Why he talk? He loud. He he's talking to people because it was just my element. Playing mm-hmm. sports was it came, it brought the other Amon out. And so I said, Yeah, let me say something. 
coach and I said I remember vaguely I said uh, I mean I, re I remember clearly excuse me I remember clearly I said look look guys we y'all told me before training camp started this was the best team in the city that nobody's beat them y'all haven't beat them in years we just lost to them by one point in triple overtime so what's that tell y'all and everybody kind of looked at each other and kind of like nodding their heads like, yeah, you know what? We were right there with them. I'm like, exactly. I said, so let's do this. Let's run the table. Let's go undefeated for the rest of the season so we see them in the championship game. And everybody was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did. We ran the table. We went 11 and 0. Mm -hmm. We get to a championship game. We're 10, we're 11 and 1. That one loss is to them. We didn't lose the rest of the season. And we played them in a sitting championship. We beat them 42 to 15. <laughs> Whoop that ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's and phenomenal. Was, and I'm like, to me, obviously being tuned up out in Los Angeles, playing with better athletes, and then mentally getting through that, yep. you know, too. And so I brought all that to, you know, I brought that with me. So to me, it's like, look, we got to play football. I don't care what happened last year we got to play football now on this Saturday, not two Saturdays ago for last year. They might've been good last year, but this is a different team, you know? So it's not just the physical part. It's the mental part. If you really think you're going to get beat, you're going to get beat. But Man, if you that... believe and confident about yourself, not cocky, but confident. Right. Swag. Yeah. We work as a team. We're going to win this game. I said, we do that. We're going to be fine. And that's what happened. We pretty much, they didn't do nothing. I, they, I came, I think they scored the touchdowns when the game was over pretty much, you know, and I did most of my work on defense, even though I was a running back. I, I had an interception. I had a, a punt block. I had a, um, I blew up the quarterback. It was a sack fumble. You know, mm. oh, I did my yeah. job, you know, I played my role, even though I was a, a starting running back and middle linebacker. I did most of my work damage on my being a linebacker. Wow. And the kids were just, we were just, you know, excited, happy, you know, and that followed with me. And, and, and like for me, being from California, growing up in California, excuse me, and seeing that, you know, how some of these teams carried, you know, stay with each other all the way through high school. Right. So I was like, hey, guys, after that game, a couple of weeks after the game, we like had a team meeting. I was like, hey, I talked to the players. I was like, hey, y'all, let's go to the same high school. I'll transfer. I was like, look, I'll transfer right now. Let's go all to the same high school so we can win state. And everybody was like, I don't know. I don't know. My mom. Da, da, da. I'm like, man, just ask your mom. You know, like in my head, I already moved from California. What's, you know, moving to another high school district ain't nothing for me. Let's go. I was like, we could win a championship. We could win a state championship with this mm. team right here. Mm. And some people, like I said, some guys, ah, everybody went their separate ways. I was like, dang, I was like, come on, guys. So I stayed at mm. North my sophomore year. I played junior, I played varsity. Yep. And uh, it was a good, it was an okay season. We went five and four. Um, I rushed my, my for my first thousand yards. I probably rushed for a thousand yards in Little League, but it was Little League. <laughs> Nobody kept that. <laughs> Right, exactly. Always kept that. Except for one season, though. One season before I moved out of um, California, it must have been my second year playing at Culver City. I probably been. I was probably like ten years old, and my dad he made me a bet because at that time I was playing football and baseball seasonally. 
He said, I'm gonna make a bet. I'm gonna make you a bet. I'll give you ten dollars for every touchdown you make. And of course, I didn't mean a smart kid. He knew I was smart too. He's like, I did the math. I'm like, okay. I said, deal. We shook on it. <laughs> Season comes to an end. I said, Dad. He's like, so what's the tally? How many touchdowns do you have, son? I'm like, I had 25 touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, and my mom is just shaking. She's like shaking your just like what you're doing right there. And my mom is in the background. Told you, show, I told you, you shouldn't do that. You know he, he's, a, you know he's, a, he's tough. He's going, he's a competitor. And sure enough, he's like, man, I gotta, that's classic. Gotta pay you two hundred fifty bucks. I'm like, yep. That <laughs> but is what classic. I did, yeah. So it was in the football season, like November. And so what I did was I used it for my Christmas shopping money. So I bought my mom a gift, oh. I bought my dad a gift, and I bought me a new pair of Jordans. My actually no, a new pair of Nikes. Yeah, yeah. I never forget them. But yeah, that's what I did with the money. I bought my mom a Christmas gift. I bought my dad a Christmas gift. And I bought me a pair of shoes. That's what I did with it. So, um, so yeah, so I get, like I said, sophomore year, play high school football, varsity, rest for a thousand. But let me ask you a question real quick, yeah. because when Tyrone Poole was on this week, mm-hmm. you know, he talked about how, um, you know, certain guys, Tony Dorsett, you know, and, and guys inspired him and stuff like that. But, but, you know, you didn't just all of a sudden, like, did you just have a gift of having a football IQ where you could see gaps before they opened up or, you know, how did you, you know, come to this point where you're so gifted, you know, so, so early in life? Man, that's a great question. I don't think anybody's picked up that information like that and asked that question yet. Um, part of it is what I already mentioned, being in California. Um, and another part of it is my, my biological dad was a phenomenal athlete. He Basically, when he was in high school, I found that, you know, I found this out once I got to high school and then more and more as an, as an adult, when I would be walking around Nebraska and people see him, oh, you're David Green's son, right? Oh, man, he used to, man, he was so fast. He would, he would do this and that. And I'd be like, really? <laughs> like, what? And he didn't brag about himself. When yeah, he I was going to say, he must never have said anything. He never spoke yeah. about it, you yeah. know? He never talked about himself, which I'm the same. I don't talk about myself. You know, I don't talk yeah. about what I did and when yeah. I'm going to do or you know, now I could talk about the past and I don't. Um, so find it out, you know, he passed away, unfortunately, in night in 2016 from prostate cancer. Oh. And right before he passed or right after he passed away, my stepmom, who we went to go stay with and we stayed with her, she passed her. So stuff I've been hearing about for years, you know, how fast he was, how, how phenomenal an athlete he was. And he had scholarship offers from everywhere. And he didn't go to college. He went to the military. Wow. And so she she gave me this 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 like this uh, photo album, and she was scrapping, you know, taking articles, pictures from his athletic mm. career. And I'm paging through it, and it's it's a house. It's at my house now. I'm paging through it, and I remember one one guy saying to me, "Man, your dad did this at the state track meet one year." And now I'm seeing the clippings where my dad won the. So at that time it was it wasn't meters, it was yards. Right, right. So right. it was the 440 for the 400, um, right. the 220 instead of yep. 220 yards instead of you know 200, right. and the 110 or the 160 or something for the hundred. Right. And then he was the he was the anchor. So he had one state in the four by in the 400, the 200, the 100. He was anchor on the 100 and the 400 so five events he went go wow. 
I'm sitting there like, the only, you know what, you know what popped in my head was, why he didn't tell me he ran the 400? I would have ran the 400 too. Because <laughs> I never, I did not want to run the 400. I mean, but if I would have known my dad did, I would have did it. I was like, well, no problem. I mean, it's the hardest event in track. Yes. They say. It so. is. It's a full on sprint these days. Full I've seen sprint. it. I coached it. It's my crazy. daughters, my uh, my oldest, she ran track. And I remember her watching her. She was in nationals in um, Sacramento, California. And I'm just watching her and North Carolina. I'm like, this is a full on sprint now. This is not just a pace yourself on right. the first curve and get in position on the second curve. No, it's a straight up sprint. And that was that was like 07, 08, 09 when she was younger. She's 25 tomorrow. So wow. it's like, man. So with that, my dad and then my two brothers who also play high school football, baseball, basketball, track, they did everything, mm. you know, roughing me up as a kid. Yeah. Then when I was born, they were in high school. So I was their little baby brother. And so they literally roughed me up. I mean, I I don't remember, but they've told me, oh, one time we were babysitting you and we dislocated your shoulder. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, bro, what? Y'all fired. Mom, what was mom doing? Mom was at work. We were babysitting. What was y'all doing with me? Oh, we were slinging you around the... Uh, the living room. You were having fun until your shoulder popped out. Oh my god, <laughs> that's oh my classic. Dude. I'm like, man. So of course, I get a pain a pain threshold right away. Um, so you know, two older brothers who play sports beat me up. My dad's a phenomenal athlete, and then wow. growing up in Los Angeles, California, I said those are the three factors right there because mm. not only did I did you know I did pop Warner football, little league baseball. And I didn't do, you know, I went straight to overhand pitch. I didn't do the T-ball. I right. went straight to overhand. And I had, so I'm, like I said, in the element, I had guys that I played with in Little League that are also in the NFL, that are also in the NBA, that's also in Major League Baseball. Went to the Olympics. Like, I'm playing around phenomenal athletes in California, Southern mm. California. And for me, becoming a competitor, I, I figured out at six years old that, man, if I'm going to be a starter, I got to play hard. I got to yep. play tough. I got to work hard. I can't complain. I got to hustle. I got to do this because if I don't, I'm not going to be on the field. I'm not going to be on the baseball roster. I'm not going to be on a football roster. I'm not going to be on the basketball roster. So I got to, I got to practice. I got to work out. So working hard in practice. Um, but then my neighborhood I had my whole whole neighborhood full of kids, all boys, mostly boys. We had a few girls that would jump in with us. I remember one girl named Portia, another one. I think her sister joined. It. Every now and then they'll join in, play some tackle football, or some tackle football, or play some baseball with us. I love it. And we were just having our own little, yeah. little like Monday night football outside. You know, we'll play all day long, like on a weekend from Saturday, Sunday. We wouldn't even go in to watch the NFL or college football. We'll be outside in the front yard playing throw up tackle. Absolutely. Having a great time, you know, just being kids, you know, something that obviously you don't see a lot these days. You don't see kids out on their own organizing a right. football game, organizing a baseball game, playing 21 on a basketball court. You don't see that no more. I mean, you know, it's a lot of reasons why one is COVID and all that. It's just And it's a different world, um, maybe in cities that have better weather like California did. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're outside playing baseball all day long you know, and I'm playing football all day long. And then I'm going to football practice two days later. 
So I've had I had that constant training and not really realizing I'm just out there having fun. You know, I'm with right. friends. We're in the neighborhood. One guy, it's like, all right, man, who has the bat today? You know, where's the baseball? Uh, who, you know, we don't need no gloves. We're going to play without gloves. Let's go. Let's have fun. Watch for the cars. Don't get hit. You know, <laughs> that's the conversation. <laughs> hey, hey, car, 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 car. You know, we stop the game for car. Um, let the it. car roll by and then we get right back at it. So just a combination of all that stuff. And then my dad, you know, he played offensive lineman when he was in college. He blew his knee out. And so he taught me things that offensive, like he gave me an offensive lineman mentality. My brothers gave me a running back, hmm. wide receiver, offensive player mentality. Wow. And so that's a combination. One of my teammates from Green Bay Packers, who I do a podcast with, I told him that, that my dad was offensive lineman. He instilled in me offensive lineman mindset. He's like, bro, I did not know that. I'm like, yeah, that's what, that's one way. That's one reason I was I ran the way I ran. Because offensive linemen, they have obviously it's a different game for offensive linemen to a running back. Yeah. Different game. You know, we, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, they get all the attention. Offensive linemen and defense alignment, all the news they get is when they miss a block. They get right. the quarterback sacked. So I understood that. So I this was a part I was, you know, so I, that made me humble, you know, and then my brothers t- say to me one day, hey, bro, you're running back. Don't you ever think you run the ball and get a lot of yards without your offense alignment? Don't ever think that if you think you're going to do this without your offense alignment, you're going to be done. They said that to me. I might have been 11 and it never left my brain. <clears throat> and now I'm like, he said, yeah, those guys help you a lot and then by the way check out what this guy named walter payton marcus allen bo jackson just to just to help out you know watch film you know mm. watch nfl film when back in the day now it's youtube i could tell kids go watch this guy right you know back then it was either on tv or it wasn't or it was on vhs for us right heck yeah you know so just uh the combination of all that I just learned how to, I had the innate ability. I mean, I say if I had anything, I'm a, you know, I'm a comic book guy being a video gamer. If I had to have a superhero power, I, as a, even as a kid, my, my dad noticed, he's like, you just, you do, he said, he said two things to me when I was probably like, I think eight or nine. He's like, you do just enough for them not to catch you. He said, you don't just run past people and just blow them out. You kind of just, you just do enough. He said, and then also I noticed in another, this is a different conversation. He said, it doesn't take you long to learn something. You'll see somebody do it and then you can mimic him, mimic them. So I'm like, almost, I could copy somebody. If mm-hmm. I watch somebody do something physically, even, or it's like homework. Like when I watched it, when my, as a learner, I learned right away when the teacher would do it on the board and they would let me do it on the board. Or I can mm. do it on my paper, on my notes. I get it quicker. So I was a more of a, a doer learner. Like, I, yeah. if you let me do it, I'm going to get it faster. But if you just talk all day, I'm not. it's going to take time if you're not letting me actually do something to get it. So my teachers that did that for me, without even knowing it, I learned faster. But then also on the baseball diamond, basketball court, football field, I just watched my teammates run around. And I'm like, oh, okay, I figured it out. I could do that. You know, because like every position from 
the time playing in Little League in L.A. all the way through my high school, I played running back, wide receiver, quarterback, defensive end, linebacker, and corner, and actually corner. Corner was my worst only because I was so physical. Right. (laughs) And I wanted to grab people, and I can't grab people being a DB. I knew that. So I wasn't the best cover corner, but nobody outran me after they caught the ball. So they would catch the ball on me, but then I would tackle them. Boom. Well, then it also gave you perspective from the other side of the ball to see things from that perspective. So then now you're seeing the gaps from yep. that side. And so that gave you a whole nother perspective besides the receiver side or the de- defensive end or the linemen. So, so that explains a lot about yes. your bat, your uh, football IQ. Exactly. exactly. Man, that is fascinating. Because you don't really hear about people playing both sides of the ball. You hear about people being converted. Correct. Once they get to college, you know, or even after college and into the pros, a lot of quarterbacks, you know, to go to special teams or wide receivers. Wow. That that's, that's incredible. So do you think, do you think, because your first couple of years were a little bit different than your last couple of years in Nebraska. Do you think your coaches knew how smart you were either? Yeah, no, there's no way. Cause if they Um, had, it wasn't until I got to green Bay where a coach figured out, my football iq a couple coaches they didn't ask the you those questions during like the wonderlick t- like during any of those interviews like they didn't ask they didn't they, they didn't pick up on that how do they how am i picking up on that like i'm just a nobody like and i asked that question you said and not many people have asked that question but how do you not ask if someone's got a, a good football iq like i don't get that like what and that's why if you ask most nfl players they'll say the scouting system in the nfl is flawed because they they see they should see they, some of the stuff is right in front of them and they don't acknowledge it. So this was the draft synopsis on me in 1998. And mind you, this is me coming out of Nebraska to a, a two-time national champion. Right. Two two rings. Yep. I rushed for almost 2,000. If you count the bowl game my junior year, I rushed for 2,000 yards. The draft synopsis on me was I'm not a four-quarter running back. He's injury prone. I never only missed games one year. It was when I had Turco in sophomore, sophomore year. So I was injury prone because of that, I guess. <laughs> what? I couldn't catch the ball, but I'm catching option pitches running laterally full speed where I'm running run direction. I'm looking back to my left or my right and I'm catching the ball with my hands. Sometimes I'm catching it here. So I'm catching it back here. I've, I've done some one handed option pitch catches. People don't realize how hard that is. Like it was hard enough being a center fielder in baseball and seeing the ball, you know, uh, move like this when you're yeah, about to catch it. Right. right. And I play yeah. baseball and you got pads on like what? So Come on, man, that's crazy. So it's like the, how you don't put the relation of a, a option running back that can't catch the ball. If he can't catch the ball, he's not getting the option pitch. And if you did your homework, oh, he played baseball when he was in little league and high school. That's what I was saying. You know, so hands. so he's all hand eye coordination yeah. there and then he adapts quickly how many sports did, you know they not nobody not once at the combine asked me how many sports did i play in high school i played football i played baseball i ran track i played volleyball and i played basketball played five different sports between my freshman and senior year of high school and i power lifted and i was the captain of the volleyball team just boom <laughs> Idiot. idiots <laughs> you don't ask me those questions because for me as an athlete that's the first question i'm asked i always ask a kid what are the sports you play 
that tells me a lot about that kid about their ability, how they learn, yeah. how they adapt. I never got asked that question at the 1998 combine. How never. many, how many general managers told you later that they, they blew it? A handful that I actually met and actually yeah. had a conversation with yeah, yeah. all the scouts I met that were even in green Bay, Seattle or other teams. They, every time I run across them, they're like, dude, I was at your pro day. He said, there is no reason. I say, it makes no sense how you got drafted in the third round. You should have got drafted. You should have been a first rounder. Not only did you catch 17 to 20 passes, you ran a 4.1640 and a 4.1740 and a 4.1840. No, we hadn't seen that since Bo Jackson. And you got drafted in the third round. That still doesn't make sense to me. And that's a scout. This is a professional NFL scout telling me. And I'm like, look, I'm, I'm like, it is what it is now. You know, more, it's, more motivation. It's 2003 now. Or it's, it's 2012 now. Right. It's in, the, it's in the past. <laughs> well, I mean, that gives you motivation. Tom was a six round pick. I mean, you know, those, mm -hmm. those things end up working in your favor later. Yeah. Oh man, that's interesting. So um, anything else you want to share with everybody about your experience uh, at the university of Nebraska? I mean, obviously yeah. you got to, you got a couple of rings, but what, what, what was that like? I mean, I I'm obviously I love Michigan. I'm from Michigan. Oh, and, go blue. Yeah. I know some, I know some Wolverines. Charles Switzen is one. I got a story about him. I'll tell you in a minute. I got to just tell you about what you, that answer your question. But yeah, Nebraska was a was was my uh, was a, a dream. Just like anything, like with football, pro football, it was a dream come true. Um, I say my 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 junior. I remember particularly. I I told this story a few times. Um, my junior year in high school, my mom taught me how to set goals, and I remember she sat me down. And my dad was in and out of the, the room talking to, added in his little flavor. And <laughs> she says, okay, you have short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals. Short-term is stuff like right now, you know, right. within a day or a week. That's a short-term goal. Uh, mid-term is between now and maybe a month, maybe two months. Long-term is between now and next year or two years. I said, okay. She said, what are the things you want to do in your life? right now and i'm like okay she's like think about that and i did and i was like all right yeah i want to get a's on my test i want to get recruited by nebraska by you know miami those are the schools i was into um alabama i want to i want to go to college i want to get my degree mm -hmm. she's like all right now some of them are like right now some of them are off a little bit she said put this what i just said that you put them in that order like i explained to you i'm like okay so I did. I took a piece of paper, written, it, written them down. Then I started thinking about other little goals, like cleaning my room every, you know, every Saturday. And I was like, oh, I could, that's a goal. Boom, boom, boom. I wrote that down. So my list started small, but eventually it became a whole piece of paper, you know, a whole eight by 12, 11 piece of paper, piece of notebook paper. Um, so that's when, so when the goals started writing, that's when my focus went from here to like here. It was laser because in my wow. goals, by the, by the time for the long term, was whatever college I go to was get my college degree and win a national title. This mm. before I knew I was born in Nebraska because I watched, I grew up watching, I didn't watch NFL as much as I did college football at that age. I thought yeah. NFL was boring to watch. I knew it was a good thing to do because right. I've seen people like Walter Payton, Marcus Allen, Bo Jackson, Joe yeah. Montana, Jerry Rice. I knew of those players, but it was just boring to watch. 
as a yeah. kid. You know, I was a kid. So I watched college football more. It's more big, you know, people busting out 80 yard, 90 yard runs, big bombs catching. You know, yeah. I remember Tony Rice and Jerome Bettis at Notre Dame watching them against USC, those big games. Yep. And so I just watched college football more. But, you know, but once I got that goal sheet down, I just got, like I said, a little bit more tighter focus. And then, you know, it just then took my, I was more mature than most all, most of my friends, you know, and a lot of them had the same goals that I did. They wanted to go to college. They wanted to graduate. They want to, some of them wanted to do pro ball, you know, if it was football, baseball, basketball, but it was just getting those goals set up that then took me, got me ready to go. And then mm. I took my visits and then narrowed down to between Nebraska and Arizona. And, and that's when Arizona was wow. number two in the nation. Nebraska was number one. They had a, uh, with the Desert Swarm defense, if you remember mm -hmm. that nickname yep. they had. And uh, Teddy Bruschi was my host. I just saw him a few weeks ago, and I told him that quick story. I said, hey, bro, you remember me coming to Arizona? He's like, yeah, man, I remember. I was like, man, because I told him, I was like, I remember. He was real cool. Yeah. And so what was funny was, like, he had on these, like, we went out one night, and he put on, I guess he, like, has a, I, I think he was from the, like, Texas or somewhere. I'm not remember where he's from, but he mm -hmm. dressed like a Texan. Like he had a cowboy boots, <laughs> some cow, some tight cowboy pants. He looked good though. It was right, just right, funny, right. you know, me. I'm just like, and he had a cowboy hat on. I'm like, man, he is okay. I like it. You know, it was just cool. It just but meeting him, hanging out with him, and wow. going on different trips. You know, I went to Notre Dame, I mm -hmm. went to Nebraska, I went to Arizona for my and Michigan for my visit. Wow. So I was almost I came there for a visit too. When what happened with me. What happened with Michigan, why I become a Wolverine, why I did not become a Wolverine was this. You, I know you remember uh, Bianca Batuka, Timmy. Yep. So he was my host along with an offensive lineman named Noah Parker. I don't okay. know if he, if he was a name that he did something, but he was, I remember his name first and last, Noah Parker and mm. then Timmy Bianca Batuka. Yep. So the second night I'm there on my visit, I left on Friday, Saturday, and came home Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we're hanging out and Timmy, so Timmy and Noah lived on the same dorm floor. I can't remember the name of the dorm. We're in Timmy's room. He's sitting there and watching TV, watching football. And he goes to me. He said, hey, man, they show me your tapes, like your, your high school stuff. They're like, you're good. He's like, for real. I'm not going, I'm not just gassing you up. You're good. He said, but they don't start freshmen. I don't care how good you are. You got to be a junior or senior they'll start you and i said really i said oh thanks for that information i appreciate you <laughs> right. and it's like boom i'm not coming here it's like instantly because i'm like that to me doesn't make sense no sense the, the way i grew up from little league baseball football basketball the best players play yep it's not fair it goes back to that fair part of me as a as a being in my um development as a kid for my right. parents be fair Yep. You know, even though I'm a high school American doesn't mean I'm going to be the best at the college level. But if I am, you got to give me an opportunity to play to help this team win. Now, if you're going to make a judgment and say, oh, he's just a freshman. I was like, nah, I just it was I didn't even think about it. Two seconds. I was like, OK. They off the list. I was like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, was like off the list. I was like, man. So, you know, once I got to Lincoln, those. Oh, wait, what, ha was, what happened with Woodson? Was that there or was that later? No, that was once he came to, became a Packer. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll yeah, get yeah, to I that. Uh, <laughs> and so those two years, so junior year, senior year, high school. Now, by my senior year, I'm, I'm a pro at goals. 
writing goals. Yeah. And so then I'll just fast forward to my freshman year. And like I said, I had that goal set before I was a Husker saying, I want to get my college degree national and win a national title, help the team, whatever school I go to. And now I'm at Nebraska, help the Huskers win a national title. And it all came full circle when I'm in warmups in the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl, warming up. I'm doing high knees and butt kicks. And it just at that moment, I don't know what triggered it, but it just that memory of me making that goal popped in my head. Mm. It made it, it just might have been me looking around at the players and looking That's... at the sign that said national title game, you know, it said Tostitos Fiesta Bowl national title. I think that's what clicked it. When I saw a national title, I'm like, I wrote this. I, I wanted to do this and I did it. And so now let's finish it off. Wow. You know, so it was like that, like, boom. My kind of like an aha moment for me. It was wow. like, all right. Thanks, mom. I'm where I'm supposed to be. Thanks, mm -hmm. mom. Thanks, dad. You know? Mm -hmm. So. Wow. That's you know. so cool. Yeah. Not many people get a chance to, to play for one ring, let alone win two. Right. Right. And the second one was special because I was a captain voted by my teammates. My freshman year, it was Tommy Frazier, right. Mike Minter, Phil Ellis, Christian Peter, Tony Veland. Those were our senior captains. Aaron Graham, Aaron Taylor. I looked up to them because I was a freshman. I respected them because I was a freshman. Whatever they said, I did. I remember getting my first time getting in the huddle. Aaron Graham, Aaron Taylor both yell at me, freshman, we're going to put this ball in the end zone right now. I'm like, yes, we are. No problem, sir. I'm like, we're going. I don't know how I'm going to get to the ball in the end zone, but I'm following. Y'all said we're going to do it. We're going to do it. No problem. Boom. All right. Cool. So now, you know, you're, now you're I'm a captain. junior. And we're doing, you know, I'm doing the pregame talks. Um, Coach Osborne will have this, the captains do a pregame talk to get the guys jazzed up, juiced up. And I've been waiting two years for this. I mean, I didn't, I, like once I became a captain, I knew this was going to happen because he would pick one for every game or alternate. So it was like, okay, I'm now I'm that, I'm that leader. Let's go. You know, I got to get my guys ready um, mentally, physically, whatever I got to do to get them juiced up. Mm. And it was just, you know, like I said, full circle, because now I watch Tommy do it. I watch Christian do it. I watch Tony Bielan, Mike Mentor do it. Now I got to do it. And now along with Scott Frost at that time being the mm -hmm. quarterback, we got to lead this team. You know, we had a rough, I mean, for most schools at that time, being 12 and two, my sophomore year is a, is a, is a great year for Nebraska football at that time. It was mm -hmm. terrible. Right. You know, coach Osborne, their fans were wanting him to get fired and, you know, then now it was a team of full criminals because of the previous years with Lawrence Phillips and Tyron right. Williams getting in trouble. Yeah. You know, all that judgment was coming in because we lost two games <laughs> in one season. We lost two games. Yeah. And so when we junior year, you know, 1997 season started was like, it's time, you know, this is it. Now we know we got, we let's go. We, you know, I'm not hurt. You know, it was more of that because I got, I got the turf toe. Right. You know, I had off the field stuff going on like the biggest thing for me like I didn't really like I said I didn't talk to nobody so nobody knew what was going on in my life mm -hmm. um I had college I was a college student and then I found out I became I was going to become a father as a 19 year old 18 you know, 19 year old you know so for me it wasn't that it was a big deal it was just a fact that you know that's a heavy that's heavy information yeah you know and not and that's not just a oh by the way 
you know, you're a dad. You know, that's not nothing that you can just like, oh, okay, you're going to brush off. I was like, I said to myself then, I'm like, okay, because I know how my dad raised me and the effort and the, the, the butt whippings, the, the discipline, the teaching moments. Okay, now it's my turn. And it's going to start now, you know, so I, that's how I looked at it. I, that's how I took it. So I didn't, you know, obviously I wasn't, I was quiet about it. I didn't really let nobody know. Some, you know, some of my closer teammates knew. Right. Um, but obviously for me being the way I was, I kind of internalized it and it came out in certain ways. And it came out, I remember coming out of junior camp that year, my, I had back spasms. I never had back problems. I was very flexible. I stretched, stretched every day religiously back spasms um even my sophomore year the turf toe that i had my knee i had knee problem like a knee soreness that i never had before because it's just un, i was internalizing my stresses because i'm like i don't want nobody to worry about or have to deal with my problems i'll deal with my problems but so wait but i, I want to hold, hold on for one second because i don't want to overlook that point because i yeah. usually don't get into this because i mean i i come from a family of healers yeah, no, that's so. Cool. So the whole whole my brother's a healer. My my wife's a healer. Wow, really? We're gonna have to talk about that. Um, maybe the next time you come on, that that would be a, an amazing conversation. Maybe bring your wife and your brother on. Yeah. So the whole holistic part of it. So you're yeah. you're touching on it, but I know you're continuing the story. But I'm gonna stop you because yeah, if, go if ahead. You, if you guys out there don't think that the the emotional doesn't affect the physical you are living under a rock because it absolutely uh, affects, you know, everything. And so when you got stuff going on emotionally, or you don't feel supported, you know, or you're emotionally, you know, um, feeling a low vibration, it is Mm -hmm. going to, it's going to affect the physical. Absolutely. So, and you didn't know that back then, you're just sort of talking about it now, but it it makes sense. Cause I've learned that through my life. They don't know it now. Guys don't know it now. They, they don't take a holistic approach and they wonder why, you know, they, their bodies fail them. There's other exactly. reasons, but that's a lot of the reason. A lot of times is the emotional trauma or things that are happening acutely or chronically that they haven't dealt with. And now all of a sudden they're injury prone, but they're exactly. not, they don't have people in their life to bring it home. Exactly. I do now. Um, I did then, but I wasn't communicating that to them. My mom, my sister, who are basic empathetic people. But nobody um, at that age is in tune with being a holistic person. Like, true. Nobody, like, like for me, yeah. Right. I say for my mom, yes. Yeah. She, she I could tell it. when I think back the conversations that I had with my mom and my godmother, they were when I remember, because I can remember almost detailed conversations. And I would just be like, if I would have paid, I mean, but I, you know, I'm a kid. You I'm growing up. Attention. I'm developing. I'm learning things. I'm, yeah. I'm my emotional wave yeah. is like this. So it's like, I can't beat myself up about it. It's just the way it is. So, yeah. But now, but now I know I'm fully aware. I, I pay attention. I read the room, you know, when I come right. into a building. And when I go home, I read the room. When I'm around my kids, I read the room because you, you could just look at somebody sometimes and you know it. They're not having a good day. Something's going on. I don't know what it is. I'm a, if I'm going to go down that road to talk to them about it, I'm going to be careful. I'm going to take time or I'm going to ask open-ended, you know, just chip the layers away slowly. Yeah. And be present. Or yeah, be present. Exactly. So, yeah. So yeah, um, I had that. And so 
but then coming out, like I said, going into my junior and find out I'm a dad, but then I'm gonna do this. Got it out of me. I start seeing a um, so I start seeing a masseuse and a chiropractor from the turf toe. The chiropractor referred me to this a masseuse who I still talk to today, named Tim Newman. Hmm. And he helped me obviously with the joint movement because the turf toe, if you never had it explained to you, so it's basically, you know, your big toe, this is your big toe, right? Your thumb on your foot. Yeah. And that joint right here gets gets sprained very bad. And basically that controls you find everything. out real everything about basketball, every sport. Yes. Yeah. So I found out it takes about forever. That. It takes it takes forever. So that referral to the masseuse to keep the manipulation, the mobility of that toe, and then obviously getting full body massages that just helped me release stuff. And physically that was probably the best I felt in my life. Wait, did you did you notice the emotional stuff looking back on it was starting to come out when someone was digging deep and mm -hmm. like sort of as a metaphor, like they were digging and now you were were you did you ever cry in the middle of the massage? No, I came close to crying more because of pain. <laughs> Not an emotional release, but that pain might have been that emotional release. You see, yeah, what I'm it might have been. Yeah, because I remember the first masseuse I went to was in California right before my junior season. This was before the back spasms, and she went into my psoas area, mm. which is your internal, like under, under your abdominal muscles. Right. The first time she hit it, I was like, I almost passed out. I was like, <gasps> I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, where are you at? She's like, your psoas, you're so tight. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, she's like, you okay? I said, I'll be fine. Keep going. Keep going. I was like, oh. How many times have you talked about your massage on any of your interviews or your shows? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, but yeah, that came out and I loosened oh, up, but then man. I still had spasms going into the season and we started the season. Um, I'm in a back thing, a back support, but my oh, mid season, um, I came out of it and I started to feel comfortable, normal, um, dealing with everything. Now my daughter is like almost one years old now. And school wow. is school, you know, I'm still, you know, getting A's and B's. I, I think I graduated with a 3.7 GPA. Amazing. You know, when, and then I, I carry, I, I, I captained my team along with some of the other captains to another national title. We beat um, Tennessee in the Orange Bowl, you know, yep. Peyton Manning on that team, Jamal yep. Lewis, some really good NFL players Amazing. and we beat them. And now I'm at the moment in my life where, you know, is it time? You know, right. everybody's asking me the question, are you going to go pro? And I'm like, look, I got to play. I got a game to play first. You know, I got a national yeah. title game to go win before I even think about going to the NFL. That's one thing I was like, when I'm focused on something, I don't jump to the next thing until I'm done with this one thing first. Oh, goals. Yep. It's just goals. I'm, I got to do this first. Yeah. I'll think about that later. Right now, we got Tennessee volunteers. I got to we got to deal with as a team. And so we did our thing. We did our job there. Um, I remember the night before the game, um, we watched Washington State play against Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Remember that and game. we saw how the game went. It was a tight game. And we saw Ryan Leaf, who later become a friend because we were represented by the same law firm. I watched Ryan Leaf driving down the field that last drive. And they get to about the 20-yard line. And you, I'm like, okay, all you got to do is get the ball set. He got five wide. It's, it's going to be interesting. We don't know what's going to happen. And then they get the ball sick, clock run out. I'm like, that was strange. I'm like, interesting. And that's kind of how I reacted. I was like, interesting. I remember that. All my teammates are like, oh, man, they cheated. Oh, they, they wanted Michigan to win. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm sitting there as a team captain like, 
kind of like when I was when my my uh, freshman year of high school at the little league chap, you know, little right. league first game in the little league season. I'm like, we got to play our game. I get up to all my teammates that are like, oh, they cheated. I say, guys, don't even worry about what just happened in Los Angeles. We in Miami right here. We got work to do tomorrow. We do what we need to do out here. They'll give us the national. They'll have to give us the national title. We do our job here. Don't even worry about that game. And I yeah. walked out of the locker room. I went to the bus, <laughs> went to my hotel room. Then the next day we did what we did, you know. And Oh, uh, Ryan. Ryan's turned his life around. I've tried to get him on the show. Yeah. He's busy. But, um, yeah, he would, he, I would love to just – I know he's told the story. He hasn't told it that I, often, I was, though. I was there. I mean, I was there. And I saw the actual zero, ground zero. The moment he stopped showing up for our workouts, I had a bad feeling. Mm. right here because we got like this we were hanging out every day going to work out training mm. for the combine and then a week goes by he's not he's he's gone i'm like you know the coach chuck who was training us yeah. frank hey what you talked to ryan yet i said no i said and then finally i talked to because we had the same agent they said oh mm. he's been making the rounds meeting with nfl teams he's going to be a first round pick and i'm like I hope he's working out. I'm like, cause this is, I'll say this, this is a, this is football. This is not going to be a lawyer, not going to be a doctor, not going to be right. a librarian or a teacher. This is football. Our job interview is the combine. I was like, I hope he's throwing. I hope he's working out and eating like he was when he was with me. And sure enough, he, he wasn't, you know, he still got drafted high and yeah, we know that story. I know that story. And just to see it, it was like, man, I was like, man, that hurt me because it was a, you know, he was a person I, I hung, I, I, hung, I spent time with. Yeah, right. It was like I know this guy, and he's he's not this kid. He's not, you know, he's a kid for one, and that's well, not. It's him. A, well, it's interesting yeah. to to see what someone's breaking point is, or how they get in their own way, and when that happens, or how they sabotage things yep. for what for what reasons. So that yeah. part of any, of any story is interesting. It is. It is. So I remember being that that week where he didn't he didn't show up for all, and he went after that. I didn't see him until we played him when I was a Seahawk and he was a charger in, in San Diego wow. so I'm on, the, on the field that day. That's the first time I saw him in like nine months. From the, it was February. That was the combine. So January at the end of January, that's when I didn't see him from then. So January or February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September maybe october we played the Chargers. so not, yeah nine months is from the time we were in california training for the combine to when i saw him on the field and i was just like i just had a terrible feeling in, in my heart about him and just mm. that the combine started with the combine not working you know him not working out i knew he wasn't working out because he was i was just like man i know he's going to get drafted but it's just like man you got to make sure you do everything you can do physically for yourself because it's a yeah it's a physical sport it's mental part of it and uh so yeah yeah let me ask you this you mentioned you had that aha moment uh in the festival where you remembered the goals yeah. right and so did that happen in the nfl where because you you know it's just constant right and you you had ota i mean you had there's things back then were different did you ever stop and just say man, I just cannot believe this goal has actually been achieved also. And then I'm actually having some success, like at this high level. That definitely happened in Green Bay. 
once I got my opportunity to be the starter and everything. Um, and it was, I'm trying to, I can't remember exactly when, but it was definitely in Green Bay. So we've had Bill Curry on, uh, you know, he played mm-hmm. for, he played for Vince Lombardi. Okay, um, nice. and you know, he talked oh, yeah. a lot. He, yeah. He talked a lot about Vince and his no zero tolerance, mm-hmm. you know, for basically what we're still fighting for now, yep. either and me as an ally or you, you know, mm-hmm. trying to continue to explain the narrative and how it still exists. And, you know, Michael Montgomery, the second was obviously on. And mm-hmm. so did you have any idea once you went to green Bay, the magnitude of Lambeau field and the history and like, is there any way to understand it and to, like with Nebraska or anything else? Like, in, in, unless you're there in the midst of it in, in, in like, I mean, it's just one of those things like no other franchise, even with all new England success, right? Like right. there's just, even with Dallas's three Super Bowls, like there's just nothing like green Bay. No, it, it is nothing like that. And I, you know, when I was at Nebraska, I remember watching the Packers beat, the Patriots in the 96 Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I knew pretty much the whole roster for the Packers. Cause I, and that's when I kind of got into watching pro ball, but I, mm-hmm. if anything, I'll definitely watch the Super Bowl because it was a Super Bowl. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I remember watching the Dallas Cowboy win their three Super Bowls and then mm-hmm. the 49ers back in the eighties win their Super Bowls. And then watching the um, Packers beat the Patriots, you know, and me being in college, just like, man, I could in two to three years, I could be on one of these teams, you know, it's just kind of that type of thing. But then now, it's like, boom, I'm in the huddle with number four, with Brett, with Frankie Winters, with, um, at my, I say my first year, Mark Tauscher's first year, Chad Clifton's first year, Mike Wall, Mike Flanagan, um, a couple mm. years later, Kevin Barry, Marco Rivera. Wow. And I'm like, when I got, when I got found out I got traded, um, the first thing being me, being who I am, being, a, <laughs> being a big kid at that time, cause I was probably, I was 24. Yeah. Still a kid. I, the first thing that comes in my head is, I gotta move back to the Midwest. I like, no. <laughs> I like Seattle. Seattle was awesome. Like the city was beautiful. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Beautiful city. Yeah. Upper Northwest. You know, we get rain. Doesn't get that cold. You know, barely snows. That's what I was like. That's like yes, I could live. I could live here for the rest of my life. And then Mike Homerun. Yep. Has a little fumbling issue problem with me. And Ron Wolf said, you know what? I don't care about fumbles. Quarterback throws an interception. This is this is his words exactly, because I saw him in the airport one day and I asked him about my trade. And he said this. He said, Well, Mike had a problem with your fumbling. You know what I said to him? Quarterbacks throw interceptions, running backs fumble the ball. If you want them off your hands, give them to me. <laughs> he said, That's <laughs> how I got you. Because he wanted to have a little problem with your fumbling problem. He right. said, But what I saw was potential. He said, I saw your yards per carry average. You were over right. four and a half yards per right. carry. Right. So if you're a football person, if you know running backs, anything over 3.5 yards yes. is a good running back. Absolutely. So mine, unless you're fumbling literally every ball time, but you're not going to be on the field then. You right. were on the field. You were a special teamer. You did your work. You became a third down running back. I saw all that. And so I knew you could come in, back up Dorsey. You know, Dorsey was coming to the end of his career. Wow. And then we could, fold, we could, you know, make it fold right into your career. Mm. So I knew you potentially. But also, once I met you, I was like, this thing is going to happen. This is this kid's ready to go. And he told me that. And I was like, thank you. I was like, man, it's just cool to 
hear that from somebody who had been around the game for so long. He was with the Raiders with uh, Al Davis. Al Davis, yeah. You know, and to have a guy like Ron Wolf tell you about you and what he saw in you, that was for me, I'm a fan of the game. I'm a fan of sports. I mean, I watch everything now. I watch women's softball, baseball, basketball, the WNBA, NBA. I'm watching the playoffs now. So when I got, I'm a sports person. I hear that from him. I'm like inside. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, someone, so someone cool. actually gets it. Right. I'm like, thank you. I'm right, like, man. So, um, yeah. yeah. So then, so then you're in Green Bay. Wait, are we gonna get to the the Woodson story yet? Or yeah, I can get to that yet? right now. I'll, I'll get that <laughs> right now. So, so before you go on that Green Bay question, I'll give you this little nugget. Um, yeah. So, Woodson was a free agent in uh, 2006. When Mike, okay. when Mike McCarthy becomes the head coach. Yeah. And of course, me being who I am, I'm going to tease him about that Michigan Washington State game. Oh, God. And really about a game that didn't happen, that should have happened, which would have been Nebraska and Michigan. Right. Which should have, if it was the now. finally 20 years later, right now. FBS now, it yeah. would have happened. And I saw uh, he was wearing the locker room. And uh, Sorry, Michigan would have won anyway. It's all good. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said to Charles, we would have destroyed y'all with the run game. He said, man, we had so-and-so in linebacker. We had this guy at defensive tackle. I'm like, bro, we averaged 400 on the ground. How are you going to stop that? We got uh, the quarterback is 215. I'm 220. The fullback is 250. You got guys behind me. We got a freshman Correll Buck author who was 230. He was bigger than me. He didn't have my speed, but he was bigger than me. That's and we classic. would go back and forth. So I brought that. I, I walked to his locker. I just said, bro, <laughs> we would have flew to L.A. for y'all to kick y'all butt. <laughs> he said, no, get out of my way, A.G. Get out of my way. No, y'all wouldn't have won that game. I'm like, yeah, we would have won. I'm sorry. I love you to death. I'm glad you my teammate now because you Hell are a yeah. player. Yeah. But it would have been big red all day on them blue, go blue. <laughs> hurt y'all world, I'm sorry. We would have put a chink in that armor. Because right, oh, I grew man. up a college football fan. I know how big Michigan football is. Oh, man. Ohio State, Michigan. That's the, you know, I know I knew that as a kid. So I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry. But so we were, we did that. We would go back and forth about that. <laughs> he was like, man, AG, leave me alone. Stop it. No, y'all wouldn't know. Y'all wouldn't have won that game. No, no, no. That's classic. Yeah. So, yeah, that's I, fun. Had, I, would, yeah. I would poke at him For the first couple of weeks he was there on the team. I was like, hey, go big red. <laughs> he like, He's like, Omar, shut up. He's like, AG, shut up. Come on, him, him, him and Dion were definitely two of the best, if not the best ever, man. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's classic. All right, couple, couple we'll get to the rapid fire, and then maybe we'll throw a couple things in there about what you're doing now. And then okay. uh, if you want to touch on mental health or anything like that, because it sounds like that's sure. that's a space that's uh, important to you. Okay, oh, very, very so wait, so Fiesta or Orange Bowl? Ooh. <laughs> I would have to say orange but i'm nostalgic so i'm gonna go uh, uh i'm gonna go fiesta because it was my first first one yeah it was the first one and then a little bit of of the second one because i was the captain and but i'll say right and there's there's no tiesta you know fiesta bowl without the orange bowl yeah absolutely so you have an amazing wife and she sometimes yells at you in the middle of your amon greens gamers lounge podcast so with that being said laundry cooking dishes or vacuuming for you all of it i do all of it i help out around wow. the house yeah. and that's a that's a first but which I, one do you I, prefer though probably the dishes because because when i was a kid 
wow. like I said, all my brothers and sisters were out of the house when I was like 10, 11. You know, they're grown. They got families. I was the dishwasher. That was my chores before I could wow. go outside and play with my friends outside, spend the night over a friend's house. I had to have the, the, the dishes washed and put away. So not only was I washing them, not letting them sit and dry, I had to dry them with the towel and then put them up in the cabinet. I tell my kids, look, y'all wow. lucky. We actually got a machine dishwasher. <laughs> I was the dishwasher. So washing dishes would be my choice. Oh, man. Uh, did uh, Chadwick's death or Kobe's death affect you in any kind of way? Man, they both touched me in certain ways. Um, because obviously with Kobe, it was just so like it just happened. And it was like, really? Like, wait a minute. What? 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 Everyone thought he there was a joke. Yeah. yeah. It's like that can't be real. Um, and then with Chadwick Boseman. I watching all the movies, I paid attention. I'm like, he is a little, I say either he's in phenomenal shape. I just felt, felt, felt something. Just wasn't yeah, sure yeah, what yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. But then once I found out, I just felt something. Just wasn't yeah, sure yeah, what yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. But then once I found out, I mean, it was just like, man. But the beautiful thing about Chadwick is that he, the things that he was able to do before he left us. Yeah. Just, you know, he played Jackie Robinson. He played. Yeah, I know. Uh, for uh, was it uh, Thurgood Marshall? Yeah, he played Black Panther, and it was like, and to know what he, you know for my story, the things I've been through, to know he was dealing with that on his end and was able to perform the way he performed. And I watch a lot of movies. I'm a movie buff, yeah. and I understand acting. I understand directing. I understand being a cameraman, a camera person, special effects people. So to do what he had to do going through stage four, I was just like, man, yeah, God, he put himself on a whole mental, he was on another level mentally. Physically is one thing, but then that mental to really do it and yeah. still perform. And yeah. I'm pretty sure somebody knew, but for the ones that didn't was like, man. Um, so it was, but that was just those, those are my feelings for both. It's like incredible. Love it. Um, yeah. And the way Kobe, uh, it was between that and his daughter was like, oh, man, I got four real. daughters. Yeah. You know, and it's like as a parent, you know, his wife and his other two daughters had to, you know, navigate that space without him, you know, and without their other sister for oh. the rest of their life. Older as sister. Parent, oh. Right. As a parent, you don't want to go before your kids. Right. If you if you're a parent, you don't you want to make sure you do everything you need to do yeah. to make sure your kids are ready for the world as an adult. And then you'd be like, okay, I'm good. I can if I need to go now, I'm good because my I did my job as yeah. a parent. So yeah, those were I was in those are those were some tough days. Tough days. Yeah. So Tiger Woods almost lost his life, and then he yeah. comes back 14 months later. Uh, did you did you watch the Masters? Yes, I did. And it's a I, have you you know what, whatever that was in me that day, I was like, because I usually just watch the highlights. I don't sit and watch it all day. But this sat this past Saturday, and Friday, I put it on the TV and I just let it run. And I sat there and watched it. And I remember what like last Wednesday, he's doing his like pre you know warm up right he's like yeah i'm ready to go <laughs> you know and to me i and i, I I'll, I'll be honest you understood actually, it right but honestly i actually forgot about the car accident i knew he had injuries i knew because he's been having injuries over 
um, the last 10 years. Yeah. Knee, ankle, back. Yeah. But I totally forgot about the car accident. And it wasn't until halfway through watching on Saturday where one of the commentators said something about the car accident. And da, da, da. I'm like, that's right. I'm like, wait a minute. That's right. And I'm watching because I'm watching this limp. So, yeah, you know, as an athlete, you notice. You know, as, a, as an athlete, you, you, you know when somebody's hurt. Yeah. You know, the way they throw the ball or the way yeah, they're walking. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, man, he got a limp. I'm saying to myself the whole time, I'm like, he got a limp. I'm like, he's, I say, okay, he just said he must have just had surgery. And then the commentator said the comment about the accident. I'm like, that's right. I'm like, then, then it wasn't that I was looking at it differently. It was just like, I said, like, good. I say, like, I'm happy for him. I say, like, because as an athlete, if you're a competitor, and we know Tiger Woods is a competitor, and any professional athlete is a competitor. I mean, won the 2008 US Open with a torn ACL. So, exactly. I mean, yeah. Any professional, I don't care. I know we see, younger athletes today doing extra stuff, you know, celebrating when they shouldn't be celebrating all that. But <laughs> I'll say this, which drives me nuts, but I'll say this. If you're at the professional level of your sport, you will do, they got to drag you off the field. And that's how I saw Tiger. He's like, you got to drag me off of here. Yeah. And y'all didn't beat me. I just been through some stuff. But if I once I get healthy, I know to me, if I was a golfer right now, I'm like, man, he's gearing up. He's about to start kicking our butt again. I'm like, y'all better get ready because that's a competitor. Like I've been around enough competition and enough people that are competitors at my level of sport where, you know, when something's coming. I mean, can he? I mean, is it in him? Yeah, he just did that. <laughs> it's in him to say two, three years from now, I'm going to beat y'all in whatever right here in whistling straits pebble beach it's gonna happen yeah before i walk until i'm done you yeah know? that's 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 the, what i saw because that limp was prompt you know it was prevalent and it got worse and yeah it got worse day. and worse and but yeah. you saw him he kept he didn't stop he kept walking yeah. kept walking and interesting very, very impressive. I'll say that. Yeah. Very impressive. So let me ask you this, because usually I ask it earlier, but it's one of my um, disappointing thoughts about uh, some of the quarterbacks, even the ones that, you know, you played with. Uh, but in particular now, um, the GOAT, Tom, Eli, Peyton, and Blondie. I mean, disrespect him like that, but Aaron. Who's Blondie? Somebody made a, a comment that Aaron has to be complimented all the time to feel good about himself, like oh. like, like like a blonde female. So I've been calling him Blondie. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's a different one. I never heard that one. Okay. So um, I I don't understand how those four guys in particular, and even Big Ben, to be honest with you, although he said some things early on at least, and so did um, um, the Super Bowl winning quarterback uh matt stafford mm -hmm. but those guys in particular have not done and i had jim trotter on the show i've had other other people on the show mm -hmm. you know andre risen disagreed with me you know mm -hmm. he he said you know tom has handed off to a lot of people and put a lot of food on a lot of people's tables you know that he's crossed paths with as as their quarterback mm -hmm. and I don't know how you feel about it if you want to comment on it, but I don't understand how those white guys, because I, I firmly believe that that systemic racism in large part, if, if not uh, mainly is a white problem because mm -hmm. the systems in place were the laws in place and the systems in place were made by white people for white people. 
And that's not to say that life is not better for people of color. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is a segment of the population that listens to white people. And there's a segment of the population that listens to people of color. Mm -hmm. And the same thing could be said by two different people. And they're going to hear it in a different way, depending on who says it. Correct. Yeah. And so I don't understand why Tom forget the MAGA hat that was in his locker at one point. Correct. I, I don't, you know, that's his business, but he sort of got in the way as Jim Trotter said, and that was his biggest frustration. And I don't understand how somebody hasn't gotten a hold of him or Peyton or Eli or Blondie and said, you guys got to do something in the space of Black Lives Matter or call it whatever you want, but you haven't mm-hmm. been a public ally at all. Right. And I just can't understand it, to be honest with you. You know, Tom, I, Tom has put out, and I'm a Michigan guy. Right. And I, and I had Drew Henson on. Yeah. And, and Drew Henson said, you know what? The only person that's ever asked me that question in all my interviews is my wife. Nobody, wow. everyone gives him a pass. Everyone gives Tom a pass because he's a part of a coalition, basically about Black Lives Matter behind closed doors and no one really knows about it. It's like, man, you're putting your name behind something like that behind closed doors. Like, why aren't you a public ally? Do you know the impact that you would have on on white people if you if you and Eli and Peyton and Aaron got together along with all the the influencers in terms of the white quarterback space and did something not just once, but made it a point. And I could get into the whole other issue about all the NFL players striking, which I feel like they should they should have done after Colin. Yeah. But that's a whole nother issue. Right. But those four guys not doing one thing and basically having things that are desensitized now to people about end racism in the end zone or on the back of helmets, mm-hmm. like no one cares anymore. Right. But those guys, in my opinion, could be doing something that could be altering history and they're not. And I, I just, I will never give them a pass. I don't care who comes on my show and cusses me out or disagrees with me. Like, right. I just don't understand it, man. They have a platform. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I get amazing people on the show, but I don't have that kind of influence. Right. Like they do. And I just like what at now we, we talked earlier about all the influencers who from what from, I'm wearing, your hat, exactly. who laid the foundation. And it's not hard now. It's not hard it's to easy. speak out. It's, it's encouraged. Yes. There's collaboration. Like, what are you afraid of? What are you guys afraid of? You'll promote your, 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 Tom's got a clothing line and he's done hundreds of thousands of videos about he secured money for his for his clothing line that black people can't secure. Right. I mean, there's things that, that happen in his space that he's not being an ally for. I just mm-hmm. I do not get it. I get I get fired up about it all the time. I just will not give him a pass. I just don't f-ing understand it. I just. Yeah. And uh, I hear it. Um, I said me and my wife had this conversation and. And to refer to back to what I said earlier about during the civil rights movement, those athletes did that. Actresses, actors of color, they picketed, they did things. They said, you know what, we're not going to do this until this. Frank Frank Sinatra wouldn't play in Vegas unless unless Sammy Davis Jr. was able to play. And he said, F all y'all. And what happened? Sammy Davis Jr.'s career was changed because of a white guy. Exactly. And so you presets a part of why, why, and explaining about Tom and it, it, it comes what, 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 what the part is you, you said was like, is it popularity or him, you know, like his clothing line. So they worried about that. You know, I'm, I've, I've met Tom a handful of times during my career, you know, some on the field, 
I introduced him to my mom at the Pro Bowl one year. Um, so as a person and a football player, obviously, I know the struggle. I know the hard grind and everything being a seventh round, sixth round pick. Like, I understand that part. Um, but irrelevant. what you're talking about, exactly irrelevant. What you're talking about is accountability. So just like on the football field or in the locker room, when we have players that are not doing their job, when we know they could do a job, their job a lot better, we call them out. Is it accountability or responsibility? As players, we know that. So he knows that. But his circle of people around him are saying things to keep him more distracted, maybe. Um, I'm, I'm speaking from experiences of what I've seen in, you know, what I've seen firsthand of how people work around a person, like a person like a Tom Brady, person like a Michael Jordan. I've seen, I've been in those conversations or I've seen it from a, right in front of me, like, wow, really? So you get to a point, like for me. Talking about privilege. Being privileged, but then being influenced and not, and being you. <laughs> That's one thing that's never changed up. If you, you you're talking to a Mon Green six year old, a Mon Green right now, I have not changed one bit. Only thing that changed about me is the gray in my beard and me being 45 years on this earth. The way I was at six years old, I'm the same way. I'm just obviously more more intelligent. I can I learn how to you know read the room. I learn things because I'm an, you know I've been on this planet for 45 years. So I know better. I, I give you an example. I got this job, Blakeland, being an esports coach two and a half years ago. Within the first year, going into the 2021 season, I had two players getting a little disagreement, altercation verbally through social media. You know how kids do it today. And it was in the neighborhood of um, gender identity, being gay or straight. It was in that com- that conversation. And for whatever, for all the things that I've seen leading up to that point in my life, from Black Lives Matter movement to things way before that, Rodney King, all that I grew up seeing, I said to myself, not on my watch. Mm -mm. I said, not, I said, this ain't happening. I'm going to say, I'm going to take charge of this situation and make sure it gets handled the proper way. Everybody gets treated fairly. And in the outcome, there's going to be discipline. And you're going to have to suck it up and take it because this, I'm going to do it right because I don't want to be the person that just lets something happen because I don't want to lose my job or I don't want to get looked at differently or, I, you know what, look at me differently, but I'm going to do this for these players. One's going to hate me. One's not going to hate me. So what? But I'm going to make sure they both understand the reasoning why I did what I did. Right is right and fair is fair. Exactly. So look at me wrong and don't look at me wrong, but that didn't happen. Every faculty member that was aware of the situation, they said to me, Amon, you couldn't handle it any better. This was the athletic director, the school president. I'm glad you handled it the way you handled it. You were fair. You talked to both sides. You talked to the parents on both sides. And now we got it. Now you hand it off to administrators you're you're clear you did it you handled it the way you should have handled it you didn't not talk to this person not talk to that person or take sides one one take sides on no you handled it the way a faculty member person of leadership should have handled it 
because I've seen so many football coaches, coaches in general, celebrities, see, be a part of something and not do nothing. And that, that's like, that goes to back to six-year-old of mine. That's not fair. If you see something that you know is wrong or know that, you know what, if I'm, I'm a part of this, it's going to change everything. Do it. Don't worry about the whatever you think is going to come at your way. You know what? You're going to have a little bit of flack. Everybody's got, everybody's got something to say. But for the other side of it, you're going to have another group of people that you're now supporting that did not think they had, they had your support. You wouldn't have known it until the situation presented itself. Exactly. So for whoever in those situations, don't be afraid of how you're going to be seen. How people, like if you're that Pat Mahomes, Tom, like you said, those four quarterbacks. So what? Because if you say something, it's going to spring on change for all those fans that follow you. You're going to lose some, but you're going to gain a whole lot too. You're going to gain a whole lot of respect, admiration, understanding. Em- empathy. 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 Yeah. And yeah. I think people in certain places, they're afraid of just that reason. And I'm like, money doesn't go with you. When you're dead, that money's right on right in the bank account. <laughs> that fame, that fame will get you so far. You go to another country, Tom Brady, people won't even know him. They'll be like, who is this? Aaron. They'll go to somewhere that in Nepal. They'll be like, I don't know you. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, it's like. But that's the frustrating part. I just don't get it. Like yeah. not one of the four. Like none of them. Yeah. I mean, like how is that possible? It's possible because the NFL already is not, it's still broken, in my opinion, as a player, as a former player. I say some leagues got it. NBA got gets it. WNBA. Major League, Major League Baseball is coming around. WNBA obviously gets it. Yeah. Major League Soccer gets it. International Soccer, international sports get it. It's the NFL that still has people in New York that are all about this they're all up and they and this money is what drives them not knowing that you know what if you just address certain things and then handle it properly yeah you might lose a little fandom but you're gonna gain another for whatever you lose you're gonna gain something too but it doesn't make sense when when your brand first of all from mm-hmm. just a common sense standpoint is the majority of the players are people of color. Mm-hmm. And so when you don't put everyone with a seat at the table, you can't be the best version of yourself. True. It's literally impossible because you're not giving a voice to the very people, men and women in that space who understand it better than anybody. So you have a blind spot mm-hmm. and then you're not putting people around you who are trying to help you with your blind spot because you're afraid of giving up the control and losing money, which in the end would make you more money. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's mind blowing. And, and Jelani yeah. McCoy came on the show and talked about this, that yeah. there are, are there billions of dollars left on the table every year because not just because of the money, but they want to, they don't want to give up the control. You just Them said being it. white people. You just said it right there. Control. Oh man, it is. <laughs> it, it, you don't. I've been around, like I said, I've been on, I've been on this, I've been on this earth for forty-five years, 
one thing I, I think I learned, I think I learned this as a kid, trying to have control over something. Oh my God, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want control over my wife, my kids. I work together with my wife. I I raise my kids, but it is a it is a conversation a that effort. we would have from time to time. Because yeah. if I control them and say, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that, you, you can't talk like me, you can't talk to me like that, or you can't go over your friend's house, or you, it's, it's chaos. That creates chaos because you're not letting those Well, it's not empowering. It's not right. empowering You're not all. teaching them how to, to, to be, be the best version of themselves. Exactly. Because as a parent, I learned right away. Like I, like I said, it was a kid when I said that. Like, man, I don't want to control anybody or anything. Only thing I want to control is me playing video. I'm a controller in my hand. But as a parent, I was like, I can't control my kids. Because if I tell them not to do something, they're going to do it anyway. If I say don't go over that friend's house, they're going to find a way to get over that friend's house. They're going to sneak out when we're asleep. They're going to do or they're going to you know, be hanging out with all the, the boys they like and doing whatever. I say, how about I empower them by teaching them, okay, if you're going to have a boyfriend, you got to be ready for this. I remember my, my oldest daughter, Armani, having a conversation about the boy, you know, the boys conversation. Me and her mom are not together, but I say to her, I say to my daughter, um, your mom told me she's upset that you got this boyfriend that she don't like. I said, Look, I haven't met the kid. I said, but I'll say this. I'll ask you this first. What are your goals? And I taught her the same thing my mom and dad taught me. She was a junior in high school, around the same age. I said, what are your goals right now? We talked about this. She said, yeah, I want to go to college. I want to run track. I want to get my degree um, at that time. What was the degree? I think it was law at that time. She ended up, she, she ended up going law. She's a um, security wow. guard and criminal justice and everything. That's what it was. I said, okay, you got this boyfriend or you got this boy your mom don't like. I don't know. I don't really care where they're all at, but you're hanging out with them. So what do you think would happen if you got pregnant with this boy? to all those goals that you just mentioned to me, what you think will happen? Not saying it'll go away, but how would that be? Would it be harder if you're 17, 18 years old, pregnant and trying to do those same things? She said, yeah, you're right. Something like that. Exactly. So just think about that. He gave her the power. I said, so I'm not going to tell you not to hang out with him. I barely, for one, I barely know him, but I know you. And I know what you want to do with yourself. You want to do some things for yourself. You want to get a college degree. You want to, you want to, you know, be a, a, a lawyer or, or a police officer. None of that, not saying it won't happen. It just be a little tougher being a young mother and then carrying on trying to do that. That's all. I'm not saying it won't happen, but it just be a lot harder being pregnant, kid, trying to go to college. That's all. That's how the conversation went. It was over. And then boom, she was, She's single, no kids. <laughs> well, two well, we, masters. We, she has a degree and a masters. Man, she's flying well, to Hawaii right now with her wow. friend for her her twenty fifth birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well, we knew since you were in eighth grade that you had amazing leadership skills and knew how to talk to people, whether it was teammates or your current student athletes or your daughter, your kids, your four girls, uh, your son. Man, that is fascinating. So let me ask you one more question. So if you could have any. Well, let's say three people. I usually ask five, but mm. in the interest of time. But if you could have yeah. any three people at your dinner table, past or present, dead or alive, but you've never met them. I love this question. I've been <laughs> asked this before. Uh, 
But you got to include one female in those three people. Somebody I've never met before, right? Yep. Dead or alive, past or present. Okay. Uh, well, Walter Payton, never met him, never got an opportunity wow. to meet him. Sweetness. He passed away before. You know, oh. I thought I was, I was going to get it. To, I met his son and his mom and mm-hmm. his daughter, Brittany. Um, so Walter Payton. Um, Felicia Rashad. Wow. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It's a coin toss because they were in the same movement the same time malcolm x martin luther king mm-hmm. yeah jeff pope holds a room on clubhouse every friday uh former uh, nfl player and he's an expert on malcolm x and i go in there all the time and listen it's fascinating they play excerpts from his uh speeches wow. and they talk about it there's professors from colleges and universities that go in there and break it down it is it's an amazing you should he's go in omaha nebraska oh uh, yeah my mom my grandmother house is like across the street from where he grew up wow that's crazy who knew yeah so i I I knew once i got to about 14 my freshman year of high school that's crazy wow so how's the how the season go for esports actually pretty good we're actually we got league of legends in the playoff um unfortunately nba 2k lost playoff game earlier this week damn um Valorant was in the playoffs. We had so we had five teams. Three of the five teams made it to the playoffs. So what are some of the other D three? So everybody knows this. This D three NCAA D three is non scholarship. So this is all academic and need based only kind of uh, college and university. Can, yep the the student athletes can have jobs during their season off season yep. year round. Um, and uh, so esports so many, is not just one. How many schools nationwide have esports? In the thousands. All the way from the junior college level, community college level, all the way to the D one level. Wow, for real? For real, man, that's just it's I... it's from it's what. So you look in a city, the city will have you know, Los Angeles Community College and then wow. USC, then um, NWTC. You know all these little and all those schools can have an esports program all playing against each other. But there's a D3 national championship, but it's but you can still play non-con against like any level, right? We like played anything. Oregon, we played <laughs> Oregon State, we played Wisconsin, we played Nebraska, we played Oh shit. We played Michigan. Oh and, hell yeah. yeah. We've done it all. Syracuse, Miami, yeah, it's esports is like I said it's all inclusion. It doesn't matter division one to junior college to D2 to it doesn't matter. We we jump in a league, we play against teams, you know, and we have fun. The kids are enjoying themselves. That's amazing. So that's the duality I was talking about earlier yeah. about how you live one life and then you see certain things, but in a locker room or what you're doing now is the most inclusive right form of uh, sports you know uh, small college atmosphere you know all-inclusive ma'am if society would just take a look at what you're doing in that space we would be a lot better off yeah and this space is very woke <laughs> right so in the guidelines of some in most of these leagues we got to have females on the team if not coaching oh it's co-ed okay yep and wow most of my then the last three, i've had between women Gay men, gay, you know, lesbians on my roster, captains on my teams. Like I said, I, uh, I, I'm going to play it fair. I'm going to play how I play. I play fair. You beat me, you beat me. We beat you, boom, handshake, GG's, good game. But everybody has opportunity if I'm running the show, if and when I'm running the show, because I Anything see a person. Anything but fair. 
Yeah. Exactly. I see. I just want to treat people fair, just like I wanted to be treated. How most of the time I was treated throughout my life. I've had some, um, some situations when I wasn't treated fair, yeah. but I used those situations and turned them into positives, and didn't let it bog me down. It might have bogged me down for a little bit, yeah. but in the te- in the long term, no, it didn't because then I learned from my mistake as a person to then continue to make me drive get leadership skills, learn from that and how I get better as a human being so I could be a good human and help other young humans become better humans when they get older. That's it. Fascinating, man. That's awesome. Well, I, I genuinely, I usually don't go this long, but man, I appreciate the time. It was fascinating yeah. conversation. Where do you see yourself in five years? You still want to be doing that or what's do you- man change? I'm a change agent. I'm a, I don't, I, I told you, I told you, I'll put you in touch with whoever I can to, to help you get to, you know, some of the things that you're trying to do. So just, I mean, I somebody, somebody told me today, I'm real quick, I'm, I'm, I'm training a, a future WNBA player. And I told her I've had at least six WNBA coaches from six different teams on the show. And I'm like, they're friends now. So like, I may not be an influencer, but I, I can be a connector of a connector. Oh, and so that's all, that's all I'm trying to do. If I, you know, measles, you got my, yeah, you got my me. email. Yeah. yeah. You got my email. You could contact me anytime we could talk. We could keep this conversation going. Yeah. I could be um, a repeat offender, be back on this show plenty of times for different situations, different topics. You could co-host too. Cause I love to have guest co-hosts. Cause you oh, know, I love your, to do your that. insight I do. Is, is phenomenal. Yeah, I would love that. Just coll- collaboration is beautiful. You yeah. Know? Yeah, the right. So uh, in five years, where, where do you see yourself in five years? Coaching, say, hopefully in the NFL. That's one of my goals. Um, yeah. I say if not, I mean, I'm very happy here. And yeah, like I said, in my press conference here, I'm just trying to, at the end of the day, not only do I want great esports student athletes, but I want great human beings. That's yeah. what I'm trying to develop here is great human beings. Because I remember Coach Osborne as a freshman sophomore junior everything that he was instilling in us as athletes and students and people then in my years at nebraska i'm still using and living by those remarks that he's told me and he was one one the biggest thing that he could do for me because i had been by the time i was a freshman in high school i had had probably a dozen different coaches football coaches baseball coaches assistant coaches right volleyball coach you know i've had a gym gym teachers so i was around a lot of sports you know people people yeah and for all those people i was used to a few things you know them cussing you know <laughs> at the drop of a hat yelling at us for losing a game or whatever right he in my three years and now almost 30 years of knowing him not once did he ever say a bad word ever wow. Not and damn. I can bet on that. Not even damn. When you knew he was upset, you know what he would say? Dog he would say it. malarkey. Oh, oh malarkey. Da, 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 da. Or wow. he, when he was really mad, this is when he was really mad. He said, Mother Teresa and da, 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 Judas Priest. We like, oh, he's upset. This is a bad practice. We're going to have to start this practice over. He just said Judas Priest and Mother Teresa. <laughs> Never once were a word. And so as wow. I got older, like as a player there on campus, I just like looked at it like, man, that's, that's impressive. That's not hard to do. But then as an adult, it's just like, he respected us. That's how much he respected us as people. 
because most coaches I've been around, they're going to F-bomb this, they're going to S-O-B this, they're going to up the, up, the, up, the, up the river without a paddle this and da-da-da-da-da because it looks sexy. It sounds good. You're coaching when you're doing that. That's what I told one coach told me that one time. Oh, that's coaching. I was, I was in the league. I was like, that's not coaching. I said, you're just venting. I remember one time my coach, one of my coaches here in Green Bay, he's tearing me up and down, you know, and I go, you done? I said, did you get all that out? I said, now coach me up because I messed up. Tell me what I did wrong and how I'm going to correct it next time when I go back right. on the football field. Because I could get cussed out by my dad. That's not a problem for me. We're both professionals here. We're yeah. professionals now. So tell me how I can get better instead of you berating me because it sounds good. And he just sat there and looked at me, did this, and was like, <laughs> you're right, Amon. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's kind of how he took it. Wow. He was like, yeah, you're right. Because I'm like, I don't do that to them. Right. Dude, my players in here. You know, we've had times, we have touchy moments, but I'm not going to yell, scream. I'm going like, to tell them what they need to hear. But then if I need to be firm, I'll be firm. But it, do my best yeah and it's not easy not to drop a f-bomb it's not easy to drop it oh, it's not easy but for my coach for all his time there even players before me that's fast he was like he don't cuss at all wow. so i'm like that's special yeah it is Nebraska football gonna ever get back yeah it's gonna take time though just like anything because what we had down there and you know that you've seen it I mean, kind of like what Michigan had in that one year. They had players with abilities. And to recruit those players, to get those players influenced to come to that school, that's what Coach Osborne and all his assistants, they mastered the art of recruiting and then getting those kids and then really developing them, getting to know them, being not only being a mentor, not just a coach, being, you know, teaching us. Like I said, the stuff he taught me, I'm still using it today for myself and so that's what it's going to take for that team for that for that school and football department to get back volleyball still good the same coaching that was at volleyball in volleyball at Lincoln is still there it's the new coach but he was assistant when I was there as a player my freshman year sophomore year junior year and he was just under the coach that was there he just passed along because they they knew the program they understood it yeah they understood it we got to approach these kids we got to empower them. We got to teach them. We can't just berate them and, you know, tell them stuff right. that, you know, people on the street will yell at them that don't know them or fans in the, in the stands, you know, you got to empower them. So then now when they're out there on that moment on the field by themselves, they know how to think, okay, what I need to do. All right. This is it's fourth down and they're going forward. It's fourth and 10 and they're going, how do they, you know, you want them in that moment. You don't want them. Yeah off going haywire you want them to make a play and so yeah if you empower a kid they will make that play because they can think for themselves they're confident and strong and can do it you know so that's fascinating uh, I, i'll let you go but it's funny you said that because i just told this uh, young lady that i'm working with she wants to do shooting because i'm a professional basketball skills trainer so she wants to do shooting and footwork when she comes back from uh overseas mm-hmm and I told her, and part of what I said was, you have to treat the first five minutes and the last five minutes identically when you're training, because you're putting this perceived uh, self-inflicted choke factor into play, and you just got to play 
And so if you start to see things in a way where let, let the coach coach, let them put into play what they want to do, but you just play the way that you always have played confidently. And if it's the first five or last five, you're putting in this pressure that mm-hmm. the choke factor could be a, could be a thing. Exactly. So, you, nobody you. else. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I will, I will definitely touch base. Uh, you know, when we get the future NFL guys on, cause it's always great to hear the the dynamic of the different questions that you could ask. And, and I've had auntie come back as a former WNBA player to, nice. you know, come, come and talk to other WNBA players and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, we're just trying to keep the conversation going. I'm part of coach Hugh Jackson's think tank enough. And yeah, I heard you know, what you're doing. I heard Brandon, about that. Brandon Marshall is on that. And, uh, you know, uh, Judy, Judy sweet, who was the first female president in the history of the NCAA. She's a part of it and I've become friends with her. And so, you know, it's just sort of this, like you said, it's just a connecting thing. Yeah. And so, uh, if that's a goal of yours, man, uh, just, uh, anything I can do, I, I will for sure. Oh, yeah. It's truly an honor to have you on the show, man. Fascinating conversation. And, uh, Best of luck with whatever the rest of the playoffs and yeah. the family and, and, and everything. You just, you're down to earth, man. You wouldn't know that you played 12 years in the NFL and play with Brett Favre, Brett Favre yeah. and, and all these things, man. Like, I mean, he's another one that could do more, but True. you know, I don't want to throw him under the bus. Cause you know, somebody you played with, but man, it's just uh, all these guys. I just wish they would, they would leverage their platform. And like somebody last night on a TikTok live was like all lives matter. And I was like, Okay, so you were in the hurricane. Would would it be appropriate for someone to say, "Wow, I'm so sorry you lost your house in the hurricane," but all the other 49 states matter? <laughs> Sounds uh, stupid. Sounds stupid, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's not what we're talking about. Exactly. So some people just don't get it, and that's why you know I'm trying to educate as much as I can with this show. So oh, you, you talked about things, and honestly, I've talked to Rashawn McLeod about this, former NBA player who's a friend of mine now, like the first transfer that Coach K ever took into his program. Mm. And now he's like, you know, there's things that are going on outside of our community, but we in the black and brown community got got stuff that we need to work on. Yep. You know, when I go into Clubhouse and I listen to all the collaboration going on with the black and brown community, it's it's encouraging because it's like you always see perceived bickering and fighting and infighting and all these conversations. It's just like just collab, man. Yes. Just freaking collab, whether it's parenting or women empowerment or just collab. You help the the, the brand be and, and, and the culture and the community be better versions of yourselves. A hundred percent. But, you know, you've just... been I, but you've been on this defense mode for so long, for centuries and decades that it's yeah. understandable. Like we did in the Jewish community, it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like we we've yeah. been we've been on guard for, for so long because of the Holocaust. And yeah. so we overcompensate a lot of times. And uh, uh, that was the part we didn't get to talk about was the mental side of it, because all those metaphysical scars are defense and trigger mechanisms that you don't even realize you have in you until a moment comes up. Absolutely. You know, so that's a, that could be another show, a whole another hour. All right, bro. I appreciate it, man. All right. No problem, Mike. Man, appreciate you. That's uh, I love uh, your whole vibe. I love this. This is good. I'll definitely anytime. Just yeah, just give me an email. Drop me an email. Okay. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I just, I'm trying to learn as I go and be a better version of myself every day. That's all I'm trying to do. And keep it going. And I'm like I said, I'm just ask me when you need me to come back. I'm there. You got okay. Sounds now. good, man. I appreciate it. Tell the guys, thanks for their patience. They're, they're having a lot of fun, obviously, because they're, yeah, they're, they're chirping it up in the background there. <laughs> yeah. They have uh, the game is not till eight o'clock. So this is all warm up time. Oh, dang. Loose, so yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, that's awesome. 
Yeah, All right, much Mike. love and the utmost respect, man. We'll talk soon. Hey, thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right, me. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fascinating conversation. All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Amon Green, uh, former NFL star. Uh, most of the career was with the Green Bay Packers. Wow, that was definitely our longest podcast. And if you stayed with us until the end, I, I truly hope that you enjoyed it because I did. I can't even believe two hours went by. Um, let me know how you like the background. Send me an email to thesportsdeli at gmail.com because I uh, redid everything. Not everything, but I put some things in some different places. I don't know if you'd like uh, enjoy for those of you on YouTube who look at the background and stuff and the Oak Park High School um, license plate fell off. So hold on, I'm gonna put it back real quick. But yeah, that was uh, that was great. Uh, touched on so many things. We'll definitely try and have him back, and I know he'll come back because uh, you can tell he loves to uh, chop it up, and he has so much wisdom and so many experiences. And he's a girl dad and a boy dad, and um, married and a leader at at a college for an intercollegiate team at a small a small college. And wow, what a what a wide range of experiences. And one uh, aspirations to be an NFL coach. That's just amazing to me. Like how, how, how can you not have Amon Green on your staff? Like, man, the first thing that I would say, even if whether I know someone or not that I was, you know, trying to describe uh, him to them would be like just his, his uh, emotional intelligence. I mean, forget about his football intelligence. I mean, this guy gets it. I mean, he is layered. Uh, in a way that, you know, a lot of times we don't see and you have to, you know, give a large part of the credit to his parents uh, from goal setting to uh, having a better understanding of yourself and uh, not only standing up for yourself, but but understanding uh, how to have empathy for other people and a greater level of love and understanding of the world around you. Like he said, he, he goes into a room and he tries to check out, you know, the vibe of what, what's going on in the room before, you know, he makes a determination on how he's going to handle the situation. Like those are next level things. So, all right, those are, those are my two cents. Um, we have the bet on women here. We have San Diego Mesa basketball, my tigers, uh, Goucher is where I played my college. Well, this is a letter from uh, Coach K right here at Duke a long time ago. Mark the Bird Fidrich, my old license plate, Coach Wooden right here. The Fab Five is a great book, Forever's Team by John, fine John Feinstein. Uh, personally autographed, Joe Namath. I got the Tiger Woods book up here um, on how he helps people golf. I got my uh, Goucher t-shirt. Uh, up here in the corner, Magic, Sparty. Obviously, I'm a Lions fan. And then we have the uh, WNBA uh, shirt here. Uh, Breaking Tea is a all-inclusive uh, t-shirt company, uh, great company, Larry Bird right here. And we have some other things behind me, my graduate school, Gordie Howe, Marley and Me. Um, we have uh, a Red Wings hat, Michigan down here. Kirk Gibson's uh, famous uh, time with the Tigers. He obviously had some uh, famous times with the Dodgers as well. Uh, LeBron James is more than a vote. This is where I went to high school and then a lot of uh, things going on back here. And then me with Tom Rose, current head coach 
at Goucher College, Lions uh, here, and then Mesa College, my two-year degree, my bachelor's degree, and then uh, here and up here, uh, my, my uh, graduate school degree. So yeah, a lot of things up here. Another old license plate here. Hoot, I got another license plate coming. Uh, it's uh, going to have the sports deli as a part of the license plate. So I'm excited to, to get that back on the car. Got the Red Wings way over here uh, when they were great with Scotty Bowman as their coach. An old wood tennis racket right here. And uh, down here, there's a baseball stool. Uh, I've had this for about 20 years at least. I got a bad boys jersey here. Um, and obviously Michigan Harvey Pennock, uh, the Little Red Book. And so we got uh, also the U.S. Open uh, ticket that I uh, had when I went to the USA, uh, U.S. Open when Tiger Woods won it that year. I think I went on Friday, the second day. And then I got um, a set, a U.S. Open uh, memorabilia set here. So, yeah, a lot of things back here. Uh, we have the um, patch from our um, high school uh, league championship from a couple of years ago. So, yeah, a lot of cool things here. And you can't see over here, but I have, uh, maybe I'll turn this a little bit. You can see right here is uh, Steve Lavin when he was with the UCLA Bruins. Uh, and then here's Lav's uh, camp T-shirt from his dad's camp from back in the day. And uh, this is one of our sponsors, SportRx. Check them out online at sportrx.com. And this is a fungal bat I used uh, back in the day right here. Um, and then my Lions helmet. And then there's some NBA, the 50th, 50 greatest players of all time is behind here. And uh, that was given to me by Dan Bruton. If you haven't uh, checked out that podcast, check out that podcast with, uh, with Dan Bruton. He used to be the uh, managing marketing manager for Tiger Woods, uh, Kobe, uh, MJ, uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Joe Montana. Uh, Dan Marino, uh, just an incredible list when he was with uh, Upper Deck Trading Company. So, all right, that's a little bit of uh, what's behind me. And then I have uh, right here down below here is a teamwork um, poster. Uh, it's like, it's very heavy, so I can't really hang it behind me. I got a lot of stuff behind me already. So, and then my high school hat here, Oak Park High School in Oak Park, Michigan. So I think I pretty much covered everything here. Trying to think if there's anything else behind me. I got the bat that I used in high school right here, my Easton bat. So that was back in 1987 or so. Mark the Bird Fidrich right here. Used to talk to the baseball. And then I got a little Tiger baseball up here. And yeah, I think that's about it. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for sticking around and uh, getting the tour. Because I really haven't told. Oh, and then I got my... Um, my uh, youth jersey from when I was like eight, nine, or 10 years old. I don't know exactly how old I was then, but yeah. All right. Peace out, everybody. Much love. AG Money in the house. He's switching the microphones on us, ladies and gentlemen. Finishing up a game, probably. <laughs> I like the professorial look. Pushing the Bluetooth. Getting himself ready here, ladies and gentlemen. Take two. He's got the Brooklyn Dodgers hat on. There we go. I got you. Oh, that's man. I would expect nothing less than a crystal clear uh, set of headphones for a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's and the, the button takes a little. Was, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of stuck sometimes.
Yeah, it's all good. I got a pair that I take with me when I'm out walking the dogs. Uh, it's got like a triple uh, mm. combo wireless, or you can use the cord. Right. And then, yeah. So it's, uh, but you, that's your area of expertise. Yep. It wasn't turned on the button. Sometimes the button gets stuck. I don't yeah, know how it yeah. does that on its own. So, yeah, that's some good sound right there. I mean, my sound's outstanding for a $29.99 pair of gaming headphones. <laughs> But your yours is like you can tell like it's it's top notch. It's like next level. Yeah, it's a Lucid Sound Audio. They got bought out by Power A. I have some friends that work for both um, companies, and they helped us with the headsets. We got a whole bunch of them, and then these can their own Xbox or PlayStation version controllers. They have do licensing they, with them. Do they sponsor the college? Yeah. Yep. Oh man, that's phenomenal. Of course. <laughs> that is fascinating man gotta get some help somewhere you know yeah so how does my audio sound because you're you're an expert uh good you could turn it up just a, a tad turn it up a little bit yeah does that do anything or is that just the uh that's not the external right um i don't know let me go to the settings real quick because you know you have it at the top on your imac but then you have oh you want a mac okay yeah those are not that hard yeah let me see something real quick yeah no one's ever given me feedback on that. Cause when I, when I listen to the podcast, when I run it back, I can, you know, how you can increase the, uh, the clip, you can increase yeah. the audio. So I just increase the audio. Okay. So external mic. And so you said I yeah. need to turn it up. So yeah, how does it sound it's, now? There you go. Perfect. Oh, sweet. Yep. Bet. All right. I'll do a formal intro and then we will, uh, we will chop it up. I'm excited. Sounds good. All right, let's do it. Thanks for sharing space with us today. We, we truly hoped you enjoyed that amazing interview. Remember everyone, Black Lives Matter. Stop the bullying. Stop the Asian hate. Contact your local and state politicians for any inequalities for any individual or any group that's being marginalized. Also, everyone, we want to raise awareness for those individuals that are currently imprisoned for nonviolent offenses in particular those with long-term sentences that are disproportionate in particular to those people in the black and brown community. And I want to send a shout out to 40tons.co. 40tons is a socially conscious cannabis brand and they're a social enterprise using the regulated cannabis industry to fight injustice in particular for cannabis prisoners. So check them out again at 40, the number four, the number zero, tons, plural, 40tons.co, because what they're doing in the cannabis space and being a socially conscious company is truly incredible, and uh, they have my full support. And also wanted to remind all of you, if you're having a tough time, you can always call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and that number is 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255, and they are available 24-7, 365 days a year. You can also always check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok, at Mike Hootner. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, Breaking Tea, Sport RX, PSK Collective, City Lokes and Moolah Kicks, which you can see right here up on the screen. You can search them online 
at BreakingTea.com, SportRx.com, PSKCollective.com, MoolahKicks.com, and CityLokes.com. And if you'd like to support us at the Sports Deli, we'd love to have you either make a one-time donation or feel free to make a donation monthly, either $0.99 a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. If you have uh, questions about that, send me an email again to thesportsdeli at gmail.com and I will send you the link on how you can do that. Uh, You can also find it at the bottom of every podcast on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts. Link at the bottom to support the show. Please check out our website at thesportsdelipodcast.com. Make sure that we continue the conversations with regards to three strikes and you're out and mandatory minimums, especially people that are in jail for nonviolent offenses. So those things need to change. And remember, gents and ladies, please remember to do your monthly self-breast examinations. And remember, guys, this afflicts about 1,500 men annually with about a third of those resulting in death. So we want to make sure that we do our monthly self-breast examinations, both men and women. And guys, remember to do your self-testicular examinations every month as well. Until next time, remember it takes a village. For Dr. J and Coach K, I'm Hootie Hoot. This has been a production of Hootie Hoot Productions. Thank you for joining us in the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. Remember it takes a village. Much love, everybody. Peace.